I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We couldn't do this podcast without our sponsors, and this season we are delighted to welcome uh, Mindful Chef. Uh, Mindful Chef, it has to be said, have been mentioned previously on our podcasts, not least because a number of recordings have been interrupted by uh, Mark's doorbell ringing for uh, the latest delivery. Uh, Woody, you've been a a fan uh, of the Mindful Chef. What is your absolute favourite? I have. Well... You get a different choice nearly every time. So you don't pick the same one. You can pick a wide range of recipes. Dead quick, easy, come in nicely packaged, uh, open them up, and the recipe is dead simple to follow. It's done in less than you know 30 minutes, 20 minutes, and you have a lovely meal. So uh, my favorite would probably be the chicken mango curry. Um, I've made that a couple of times without the recipe now because I'm so used to it, but that was definitely one of our early favourites. So it's it's also very convenient. Uh, you can have your weekly shop done in five minutes, essentially. Uh, dinner on the table in as little as 15 minutes, perhaps even quicker if you're Mark Wood and you don't even need to follow the recipes anymore. This guy, he really sounds like a keeper. Uh, they are high in protein and fibre, uh, low in carbs, so shouldn't slow you down. Essentially, they make healthy eating easy by delivering nutritionally balanced meals straight to your door. Uh, They are ethical, Uh, the ingredients are sustainably sourced, and uh, as Woody can attest to, they are of amazing quality. Am I right, Woody? Are you hungry? Is that a genuine question, or are you in your advert voiceover man mode? That was my advert voice, is that not clear? It was, it was it was just so it was so good, but I suddenly thought maybe that's maybe that's the way you ask questions relating to food. Do you need a chef that's mindful? Can I finish your honey gut loops? That's sort of um, <laughs> trying to imagine things that you sashay around the kitchen saying. Mindful Chef will also donate a meal to a child in poverty for every meal that is ordered. They have already surpassed 15 million meals. To get 25% off across your first four Mindful Chef boxes, go to mindfulchef.com forward slash middle please or use the code middle please at checkout. That's middle please, all one word with no spaces. It's completely flexible, there's no tie in, and you can cancel anytime. So go to mindfulchef.com forward slash middle please to try it for yourself. Hello and welcome to Middle Please Umpire, uh, the start of a new series, Series 5, I believe, with me, Miles Chupp, and with Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, I thought you were going to give a sort of Richie Benno-esque start there with a welcome back 
I thought that was um, the MCG. 222 for two. 222 for two. Um, well, there's a lot going on since we last spoke. Uh, if you want me to do a sort of rolling sum up in the style of... Um... Well, I've been to Melbourne recently, Miles. Have you, Mark? What did you what mm. did you pick up there? Did you come home with a ribbon and some sort of medallion attached to it? Yes, I think that would be a World Cup winner's medal, only the double champions. Uh, very well done. Very well Very well done indeed. You've done, you've done that. You've got another World Cup medal. Uh, you've got... Um, the 3-0 victory in Pakistan. Yes. Never done before. And also, was it not somebody's birthday? Remind me how old you are now, and for the boys and girls at home. Um, 33. Just just 33, an absolute... In my prime. An absolute, an absolute spring chicken. And I believe... Same number on my back of my shirt, and now I'm half the age of Rudy. That's... Yeah. And this is our 33rd episode. Nathan's just put oh up on the Zoom chat. Oh, my God, it was meant to be. It's all happening, isn't it? It's like that thing about, you know, the dimensions of the pyramids and the way they relate to the uh, the circumference of the Earth. This is extraordinary. There's some mathematical thing that I heard yesterday that I hadn't heard before. It's to do with the proportions of the, um, the pyramids and the way they relate to the proportions of the Earth. It's not it's not madness. It's some actual, it's some actual thing, but it needs to be pointed out to you by a proper mathematician, not a... Ooh. I wouldn't mention this in the Stokes McCollum dressing room. Yeah, it's not really, it's not really dressing room chat, I have to say. It's not, um, I imagine, yeah, I mean, you, it's more, you're the one that's in the England dressing room, Mark. It's you that needs to sort of watch the way you behave around there. If they're having one of those team meetings, which involves, I don't know what, somebody fly kicking a flip chart or something. You got any thoughts, Woody? Yeah, I just, uh, it's not really cricketing related. I just wanted to sort of half remember some mathematical <laughs> facts about the pyramids I uh, I learned yesterday. And everyone would sort of sit going, oh, yeah, that's very interesting, Woody. Yeah, and I'm sure we can, um, yeah, why not? And then McCullum would say something polite, like, yeah, there's room for all sorts of personalities in our team. And um, <laughs> and then you'll look up and you realise everyone's drifted away. Yeah, so it's you It's you that needs to... Um, <laughs> Uh, to to watch your behaviour, I, su- I suspect. So uh, of those things, let's uh, let's discuss uh, Pakistan. I suppose uh, you played uh, two tests in succession. That's correct. How did the, how did that feel? You looked. I have to say, and I bumped into. Um, I went to the theatre the other night, Woody, because I'm I'm very cultured. And at the interval, I I came up to the foyer, and uh, guess who should be. Um, striding down the stairs because obviously they were sitting up in the circle it was uh, simon mann oh sorry no no guess richard gear oh close it was simon mann <laughs> simon simon mann and alex his wife who I, who I know and there they were and by quite by chance we'd all happened to bump into each other in the theater and we were discussing pakistan where he'd been and you'd been and uh he was describing how extraordinarily tired uh, you were after that first day day back. I because obviously I'd only seen the bits on TV, and you're just going, oh, I'm, "I'm so tired. I'm so I'm so tired." It was sort of like <laughs> the end of um, Frankenstein. Um, I believe Frank- the word I used was knackered. Knackered. Tired will work. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm I'm quoting Mary, the end of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But you were extraordinary, <laughs> and he said you basically sort of collapsed on the outfield like a sort of. I don't know, like a like a deflated bouncy castle, essentially. Mm, uh, just talk yeah. talk us through what that feels then to get through something like that. Just a, a lot of emotion, really, when you're you're running close to empty, but the game is so close and in your grasp. So you're just sort of everybody else is putting in. You put in a lot of hard work, especially in the conditions out there, which aren't exactly conducive. I, yes, to 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 fast and especially or bowling in general. I don't think we've got loads of spin. Um, either um, so 
Yeah, it was tough emotionally, but when everyone else is putting in, you feel like you've got to ramp it up as well and make sure you keep going. You're so close, the adrenaline sort of getting you through. And then when the emotion of the game's gone, you're celebrating, it's sort of like you just get, I guess that's a good analogy, like that deflated and you just it just sort of hits you all at once. It's not just that game, is it? It's that your first test back for, what, nine months? Yeah. I suppose you've played at the World Cup, but, you know, how many months ago was it that you were sort of lying on a gurney going, lollipop? Uh, yeah, and then exactly and, and I'd only bowled four overs really coming like coming back through I hadn't bowled anything more than a spell of you know three two three overs really so what's the prep for that then is it a lot of running I mean that's the what, what or the where, where are you getting that sort of stamina from you, you cannot really because it, it yeah at one point in time when I was trying to get things up I would do sessions of walking when Durham were playing and I would walk around the boundary for a full session then I would like bowl at lunchtime. Then I would do some running after lunch after I'd had my dinner. And that was sort of trying to replicate a little bit, but you can't really replicate it. I mean, it always helps when, you know, the captain Stokes he'd thrown us a ball and said, you know, make this happen for us. Like, come on, be, be the game changer. Little boosts like that keep you going. Jimmy charging in, Robbo charging in. You realize that. You know, when your mates are putting in, you don't want to be the guy to let them down. So you mm-hmm. you front up as well, I guess. That's what keeps you going, really. But it also embodies that spirit, I think, of the uh, current England team that you get the impression the people involved they're they're playing not for their places, but but playing for their for their team. And that kind of yep. that must that must just you know you you all just seem to be sort of swept up in it. Really, it's an amazing it's an amazing sight actually. I mean, what you've just achieved. Here you are chatting away to us, regular guy in a tracksuit top, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, you know, that victory in Pakistan is is absolutely astonishing. You're probably aware of it, but I'm just I'm just voicing my thoughts. Well, it's probably just something now, really. But is there someone at the door, Woody? Is it the mindful show? <laughs> That's it's probably just uh, something now, really. But you know, for me, you think of the it's more the history, isn't it? The, the history that it, it's re- renowned as a hard place to go and mm. win. The pitches dictate. You watch Australia there. They had they won on the last session of the last day. Watching the New Zealand series when we've getting home, you know they haven't found it easy to to you know get things away in the runway. It's almost been the, the hard thing about it as well has been that when we played in Islamabad and Multan, the games got dark an hour and fifteen minutes early in the last session. So really, you're only playing two and a half sessions every game. When you think of the sickness, when you think of, you know, everything that we're playing against a quality opposition in our home conditions, first time we've been there in 17 years, the overwhelming security, when you put it all together, it's a phenomenal achievement, especially the way that we played. And do you think, oh, why weren't we playing like this, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago? Or do you think we couldn't have been playing like this eight, nine, ten years ago? I mean, it's a great question. I just think it's a, it's the, it's the mentality that shifted, really. the that There isn't a high price on, or it doesn't feel as high a price on result. Mm-hmm. It's almost the result has come from the way that we're playing. It isn't. It isn't the other way around. Whereas before, it might be look, we're, we're desperate to try and win this game, or this is a must-win game. There's pressure on the sort of pressure of the result is much less, which means everybody plays. You know that they're not fearing for their place. They're not. It's pretty clear that when you bowl, from my point of view, whatever way you can get twenty wickets. Like it, it doesn't matter. If you go for runs, it doesn't matter if you do this, it doesn't matter. Just find a way to get a wicket. And that's what that's the way it was built to me. As a batter, you know, take the positive option. Not thinking about the winning, it sort of enables you to do the winning, as it were. 
yeah, and I think you know that's a you know, great point that actually it's sort of back to front. Stokes, he was actually brilliant as well in terms of the captain. So you wouldn't actually change the way you're bowling, but he would change little things in the field. I don't know if the telly picks it up or the radio, if you listen on there, but a lot of the time I felt Stokes' captaincy was very proactive. So he was always looking at ways we could get wickets. It wasn't just a stereotypical Pakistan where you set a certain field and it's literally, you know, plod, plod away, plod away, plod away, plod away, and something will happen. So we didn't. What we didn't want to happen was we keep men back. They're not one, one, one. The game gets dragged out, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a draw. If they score quickly, you know, they're giving us potentially a chance. But also, the game moves on quicker, which gives us a chance to win in the end. So, little things in captaincy. I think he was brilliant. McCollum, Collingwood, Jeetan Patel, Truscott. They give you such confidence when you come out off the field, even if we, you know, haven't got a wicket or we haven't done well with the bat. The dressing room is filled with, you know, building people up, giving people confidence. Oh, well, never mind. Next time, like, which is just seems like nothing to say to me and you. But when you're in a pressurized situation, to hear like as a batter, oh, well, we'll, we'll just get the next time off. And that's the kind of mentality that the coaching staff and the captain are bringing. That sense of being, of belonging, I suppose, and feeling safe enough to do do dangerous things what what would be the other side of that then as a as a player what is the biggest roasting you've been given oh the biggest roasting i've gotten was probably we got beat off scotland and of trevor trevor Bayless. trevor never really went mental uh, he was very quiet and you know when he spoke everyone listened but he was not happy that day that was the last week i got yorked on me tour and he was foaming with the way we played. But you, um, you went to Edinburgh. You went to Edinburgh recently, so you're not been completely scarred by the experience. It's not become a no go zone for you. No, they actually, um, they actually parade me in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's the guy that lost his wicket to win the game. Here he comes <laughs> <laughs> on the bagpipes. But yeah, no, they paraded me in. Um, I actually love Edinburgh as a city. It's one of my favourites. Yeah, it's where I went to university. Yeah, I, I completely, yeah, I completely love it. What, what did you do while you were there? I went for a lovely meal in the dome. The dome, yeah, on, on George uh, Street. George Street, that was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Night. There's a nightclub. There's a nightclub in the basement there. You probably, you probably went there. Um, no, I didn't. Techno, techno, techno. Uh, sorry, no, um, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I forget, of course, that you and your wife, you love, um, uh, particularly sort of European techno, and that's really <laughs> your, I suppose, your. It's probably what, what what brought you together, and it's your sort of. It's how you really let off steam, isn't it? Just. Yeah. Well, she, Sarah's. Um, Pregnant, we're going to have a little girl in uh, May time. So, oh, fantastic! She was uh, bumping along in Edinburgh. We needed a few stops, um, but it was great to, to have a bit of a look around. Anyway, that's very exciting, though. What have you been doing? That is very well. Congratulations, though, Tuesday. That's very exciting news. I've not. Um, we're not about to have any more uh, children, but I think I think we've got a sensible amount already. I have been at the moment. I'm on. Um, tour i've been doing a play that i started i was filming something until september and then i basically had a week off and then started this play and then i had some december off and did a few other little jobs and then i'm back touring which is why i'm now in a sort of digs as we call them in the theatrical world uh talk talking to you i actually went to watch pretty woman at the theater the musical uh, the other day yes one of sarah's favorites that's right on the uh it's at the savoy theater yes i I was looking for Maybe you would, you know, guest appearance, but... Um, Which cricket commentator did you meet in the interval when you went to the theatre? Um, Ravi Shastri. <laughs> not, not quite. Um, 
No, I, I don't want to say, but I went on like a double date with uh, Mike Laffer. What? <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, he's um, yeah. I couldn't do, do that. Think, if you asked Mike Laffer, what is your favourite musical? Would you be expecting him to say Pretty Woman, or would you be expecting him to say I don't have one, Mark? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Stomp, I think you'd have. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very, it's just very invigorating, isn't it? it makes you feel alive. Um, what <laughs> what it, what are the songs like in? Um, in the Pretty Woman musical, yeah, they're good. Um, what's that? What's the iconic one going like again? Wait a minute, Sarah. What does that? What does Pretty Woman go like? The song Pretty Woman. What does that go like? Well, the Roy Orbison one. Pretty Woman. Not that man. The, the, when he plays the guitar. That's Roy Orbison. Pretty Woman. Is that what it is? Pretty Woman walking down the street. Pretty Woman. I know the song, but they didn't. They didn't sing the song. They just. Um, did the guitar thing? It's probably some legal issue. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh well, I, I I love the thought of p- pitching you in the uh, theatre, singing along. Are there any bits of that that you know make you make you weepy? No. Do you feel empowered when she goes back to Radio Drive and said, "Big mistake, big mistake, big mistake, big mistake, huge, the biggest." <laughs> Oh well, next episode we need to have you doing some um, some Julia Roberts. Uh, I don't know what we might do. A little bit of Runaway Bride, maybe Steel Magnolias. Anyway, prep something for mm. us, Woody. I'd actually absolutely love to hear you uh, performing um, performing Julia Roberts. Maybe a bit of something from Notting Hill, something like that. I'm just a fast bowler standing in front of a light comic actor, asking him to create <laughs> asking him to create content. Um, yeah, I'm more of an Ocean's Eleven man. Anyway, um... oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? What um what um how many degrees away are you from the cast of Ocean's Eleven? Uh, Eleven. No, you are one. Oh, I can't. How does it work? Oh, so you've asked the question, you don't know the answer. I just can't remember how degrees work. I because te- I I've worked <laughs> with George Clooney, who's in Ocean's Eleven, right? Oh, so that gets you. So you go you to me to Clooney to to Julia Roberts. So well, I've I've worked with Ben Fuchs. Not only are you an absolute devotee of her work, but you're base you're basically related. Uh, in a CV sense. You've worked with Ben Folks. God, I would yes. love to get the chance to meet Ben Folks. Well, oh, a man can dream. Okay, <laughs> uh, and we're going to look at the mailbag for the first time for a long time. It, it, it's so long ago that I can't really remember what the categories are to which we've asked people to contribute. So um, this is, as ever, it will be some sort of curate's egg. I'm going to have to put the glasses on. Uh, okay, um, here we go, here we go, here we go. Uh, welcome back to Woody from Joe Hamlin. Dear Miles and Mark, I love Mark Wood. He is the best. I did a gig tonight and I f***ed up one of the songs because I was thinking about how great Mark is. <laughs> 156 kilometres an hour in his first spell back. Get out of here. You're right, Joe. Uh, Mark Mark is the best. Um, that's very... Is that flattering, Mark? The fact that you basically put someone off, the, off their work? No, I feel, I feel a bit bad, actually. Maybe what? I should go to his gig. Oh no, that would be worse, wouldn't it? He would. I mean, the whole thing from start to finish would just be as a catalogue of grotesque errors. If you were down the front jumping up and down, I'm am- I'm amazed the cast of um, <laughs> Pretty Woman the Musical managed to get through with you, um, with you present there. But you know, what can I say? They're, they're obviously professionals. Uh, okay, uh, from Nick Mitchell. Back in the early '80s, we'd recently taken a pasting on the school football field from a tall and very talented ginger-haired striker. Soon after. I'd managed to sneak into the first 11 cricket team for a match as a medium-paced, reliable bowler. It was rumoured that the footballing star was also a very handy, quick bowler. 
With trepidation, we arrived at the away fixture expecting a fearsome pace attack, but there was no sign of our sporting nemesis. Instead, there was a collective sigh of relief when we discovered that Damien Lewis, later to be Homeland and Band of Brothers, had been caught climbing the school roofs and had been banned from playing cricket that day. We won the match by a couple of runs, no doubt down to his omission, and Damien's sporting prowess was still in evidence when he played at Soccer Aid. Uh, that is... I. He is a very sporty man, Damien Lewis. I would love to have him on the podcast, actually, because I actually loved him in Band of Brothers. I think that's... I, I genuinely think that's quite achievable. I think I have an email address for him, having played cricket. He, he is a good cricketer, well, isn't I he? Well, I played that game I got concussed in, he was, he was playing. Um, he was the one that convinced me to leave the field. I was going to say, is he any good, but you can't remember. No, I can, rem- I can, I can, rem- I can remember lots of it. Uh, they, I think they were relieved when I was concussed, because I'm, you know... They wanted to bring on a sort of young 12th man that could actually do something. Uh, but yeah, he sort of cradled my head and told me to take it seriously, which I've in later years have realised is how true that was. Yeah, well, we should have him on that. So thanks very much indeed, Nick Mitchell. You've, that's a very, very good prompt. Nathan, the uh, yeah, idea, producer, yeah. as we speak, is uh, hiring a skywriter to plead uh, <laughs> with, uh, with, with Damien Lewis to appear on the show. Prompting that, any other good stories where listeners have missed playing or watching a match? The story need not feature Damien Lewis, but extra points if it does. What do points mean, Mark? Um, three pointers if you're outside the circle and two if you're in. There you go. Uh, uh, the next is a super over question uh, suggested by David Maddams. Uh, I don't know about you, but I quite often find myself playing a few air cricket shots in my kitchen while I wait for the kettle to boil, toaster to pop, etc., I think it would be a good question to ask guests during the Super Over, which is their favourite shot to play in the kitchen. Uh, for what it's worth... Yeah, we'll definitely add that very in. Very good idea. For what it's worth, mine are the clip through mid-wicket, sometimes lofted, and the curtain rail leave, a la Jack Russell. What would yours be? Keep up the excellent work. Uh, thank you. What would you... What is your air shot, Mark? Presumably you do play air shots. I like to fend one off from, like, under the armpit. Oh, yeah. Whoa! Like, whoa, wait there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold up. Wait, two, 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 two. Like I, often, I don't like hitting boundaries. I like hitting twos, I find. And then do you run the two? And like a get off. I think about it in my mind, but then slip, hit the non-strikers end, so it's usually only one. I uh, I play quite a lot of air leaves. Yeah, a leave is a great... like you... Either to a pitched up ball, or one I imagine that suddenly gets a bit big on me and I drop the hands and just tilt the head back. But I think oh, I've got this... Yeah, oh, just let, that, just let that one nip past. You actually played that really well. I just watched I that. Just, that was good. I just do it on the old... Oh... Oh, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I believe it. I believed it. And then what I do, I turn around and I look at the wicketkeeper. He looks back at me and I sort of give a little shrug and uh, just uh, take my mark again. Um, and does he pass the ball at the slip? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But without, but he's still he's still staring at me whilst whilst he passes the ball up. He just flips it. Mm. Um, do you scratch your mark or not? Yeah, yeah. So I turn around with my back to the bowler and then with my right foot, I just scratch my guard again. Oh. And then I settle down over I settle down over the bat once. Then I take a look round, look all around the field. It hasn't changed. I still reckon there's two down to fine leg if I just only nudge it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a whole afternoon's can pass as I sort of, you know, rack up an excellent 18 not out off about 67 balls. Sarah will say that to me all the time, like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I didn't realise. And I'm like, bowling, perfect away swing. I'm like, it's just... I, um, yeah, I'm bowling, I'm bowling to Virat Kohli. Um, I, <laughs> at university, I shared a flat in, Ed- in Edinburgh, I shared a flat um, with a gentleman called George, who is uh, an inspector in the, the Scottish police now. He, um, <laughs> Inspector Nisbet, diddly, 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 <laughs> bum, bum. He, um, so we shared this flat and it had one of those, those, um, you know, like security things when you look through and you can see who's outside. Oh, um, an alarm. 
not an alarm thing, like the old-fashioned one. It's like a sort of lens. A peephole. A peephole, yeah. Is that... I thought that was... Well, anyway. Okay, let's call it a peephole. And I <laughs> I came home, and I was, I was up on the first floor, and so as I rounded the sort of banister up there on the stair, I then sort of sort of I realized I had a sort of 10 or 11 paces so I just thought well I can have a shot for each pace and so I probably clipped one off the legs and then let another one go probably did a sort of Mike Lefton style sort of back foot drive through the covers and I very slowly made my way all the way to the door unknown that he'd heard me come into the downstairs door had been watching the whole time and so when I got to the door I was just about to put my key in and the door opened he shoved a cricket bat in my hand and then slammed the door <laughs> shut in my face um, <laughs> Very, I mean, quite sad in a way. Um, right. Uh, oh, oh, oh! I'm glad this has been kept alive. This is one for the um, for the incident room for our um, our wire style uh, petrol station wall. Uh, a cricketer spotting at a petrol station. This is Tom Wardle or Wardell. Um, do write in and correct me. Uh, in late summer 2014, 2014, if you're uh, of my generation, I was returning home from RAF Honington when I stopped for a coffee at a petrol station on the A14 near Newmarket. Who should I see in the wild bean coffee queue? None other than Lord Gower. I thought I must speak to him and oddly thought there's only one cricketer I want to ask him about. My ball-headed friend and Yorkshire opener, Adam Lythe. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr Gower, what are Adam Lythe's chances of opening the batting for England in the West Indies this winter? Uh, hi, he replies, he is certainly the next cab off the rank. Anyway, I wished him a good day, reported the news to Adam, and then spent the winter watching Sky Sports as, <laughs> as Adam carried the drinks. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, that's that's regrettable. But it's very nice, I think, that um, a friend of the show, David Ivan Gower, is prepared to, you know, be a cricket correspondent while he's out and about. He's not just mm -hmm. doing it when it's for the dollar. And he didn't, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was asked a question. He was obviously enjoying some downtime. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that uh, the wild bean coffee was absolutely his vibe, naturally. But um, yeah. perhaps, you know, I don't know what's happened there. But uh, um, that's an excellent spotting. David Gower spotted in a petrol station. Uh, have you spotted any languid left-handers picking up uh, unleaded or perhaps a super unleaded? Do write in to the usual address. Perhaps you've seen... Um... <laughs> I'm trying to improvise one of these. Perhaps you've seen... Uh... I've put my spot myself into a corner by saying language, specifically languid left-handers. Have you seen a high-end left-hander hanging around in a, in, I was going to say police station. That's absolutely the last uh, area we want to drag people in. Have you seen uh, a, a former international or indeed current international cricketer uh, working their way through the snack range at uh, a BP or Shell garage? Perhaps you've seen Robert Key helping himself to a family bag, uh, grab bag of skips. Uh, maybe... <laughs> Where are You've you got to going help me out here? <laughs> I'm just trying to list. Basically, I was going to set myself up to list a number of cricketers and snacks, essentially. Yeah, the only the only one I've got on my thing radar is uh, what do you call it? Getting some watsits. What do you call it? Getting some watsits. Yeah, um, Watson. Shane Watson. Yeah. Have you seen Shane Watson? Are we yet? trying to Are we trying to ad lib the name with the? Crisp. We want something that either fits beautifully or really doesn't work at all. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe they're in a um, petrol station and they could spot um, Derek Pringle getting some Pringles. Oh, that would be very good because apparently once you pop with uh, with Derek, you um, you simply cannot stop. Perhaps, perhaps you've seen Charles Dagnall uh, taking advantage of some of the uh, high end organic meat at Gloucester Services. Um, or maybe you could see Gus Fraser. It, um, the House of Fraser. Oh, no, sorry. It's closed. Oh, no, yeah. sorry. That's um, Derek Pringle, you. Um... 
<laughs> I wonder how easily he's triggered by that. I wonder, like, yeah, it's a shame. Is it, has it closed or has it been bought by someone? How, like, if you saw him in the street, if you gave him directions, if you and he was only half listening, I said, do you know, is, is there a branch of House of Fraser down here? Do you think you go, I'm Derek Pringle, you <laughs> with a sort of hair, hair trigger? Oh, sorry, big upon, big upon. Uh, anyway, um, unfortunate injuries. This is sent in by Benno Thompson. Uh, whilst batting for Kirkley Cricket Club seconds about five years ago against Walkworth CC in the old Northumberland Cricket League Division 3. I had slowly made my way to approximately five not out, a very commendable score as far as I'm concerned, when a slow-armed pie chucker was thrust into the attack. First ball was well above waist height, and having swung and missed, I was kicking myself for not dispatching it to the tree inside the boundary. Kirkley has a great oak inside the pitch, which is famous in the lower divisions, as many a game has been won by hitting the tree. I steadied myself for the next ball. Yet again, the bowler lobbed another high, no-ball pie, which I managed to get off for four this time. Feeling my confidence building, the third delivery was a repeat performance, only this time I was through the shot a bit early and somehow top-edged the ball straight into the... <laughs> and somehow top-edged the ball straight into the back of my own head. Next thing I knew, I'm coming round on the wicket, miraculously still in my crease and not having hit my own wicket, being encouraged to retire hurt in order to gather my bearings. <laughs> Feeling fairly fine after a while, I was determined to go back into bat to help my team over the line and was given a can of pop to help settle down the adrenaline rushing through my veins. <laughs> Whilst waiting for the next opportunity to bat, I took a lot... <laughs> Whilst waiting for the next opportunity to bat, I took a long swig of said can of pop, and in something reminiscent of that famous Del Boy scene, just kept going backwards until I hit the deck. <laughs> Six hours strapped to a spinal board and a trip to A&E for nothing more than a swollen ear and a mild concussion. <laughs> it's meant five years being forced to wear a bin lid despite the slow pace and juicy pies on offer in Division 6. Crapping, cracking, he didn't say crapping. Cracking podcast, keep it up. It's <laughs> that oh, a spectacular series a of unfortunate injuries. Thank you, Benno. That is... <laughs> I've played at both them grounds, Kirkley and Walker. That's in the Northumberland League. And they have got a tree on the pitch. Have you sustained a suspected spinal injury as a result of trying to chug a carbonated drink? <laughs> Because <laughs> apparently, 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 it's an absolute minefield. There. Um, thank you very much as ever for sending your letters in. Uh, some of the categories, of course, that we uh, we welcome uh, letters on uh, unusual or quirky grounds. Cricket is spotted in everyday places. It was, you know, petrol stations exclusively for a while, but it's it's really opened up. Perhaps you recently spotted Mark Wood enjoying. Uh, Pretty Woman, the musical at London's Savoy Theatre. Finding yourself playing against or with professional cricketers, uh, worst games you've played in or <laughs> unusual injuries <laughs> such as the spectacular one we've just heard from. Also, uh, perhaps any reasons that you've ever missed a match, um, any uh, surprising or um, frankly unacceptable reasons, uh, all are welcome. Thank you very much indeed to everyone for writing in. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again. So look, if you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Should we get on with this guest this week? Yes. He's sort of like George Clooney, but a lot younger. He's like George Clooney, but a lot, uh, no. It's Ben Fox. Oh, it's Ben Fox. 
Middle Please Umpire is again delighted to be sponsored by Step One Underwear, the UK's choice for comfortable, breathable, and no chafe boxes. We have been sent some Step One underwear, have we not, Mark? Separately rather than together? Yes. I now exclusively wear them. I actually do wear them as well. I think they're, they're great for both casual or training. I've worn them in cricket as well. Have you played whilst wearing a pair of Step Ones? Yes, I have. That might be the most exciting thing I've ever heard. Um, I've certainly worn some whilst um, attending some sort of all-you-can-eat buffet, uh, and uh, I can report that they are gloriously chafe-free. Do you know why they eliminate chafing, Mark? Why? It's because they've got uh, something called ultra-glide panels. They are ethically made using organic bamboo. That is why they're super soft, but also why they're antibacterial. They're suitable for men and women. They're worn by cricketers the world over, as Mark can attest. Do you know the bags they come in are compostable as well? Now, do you, do you have a compost uh, heap, Mark? Compost pile in your garden? No. I tell you what, we'll collect collect up your your ones and just just post them to me, and we'll pop them on ours because actually we make we make very good use of the compost. There's a thirty day money back guarantee on your first purchase, so you can try them out completely risk free. For a limited time, you can get fifteen percent off the entire range just because you listen to this podcast. Head to stepone.life and enter the code MP15 at checkout. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, this week on the podcast, we have none other than the best-looking cricketer ever, Miles Jubb and Ben Fawkes. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't know which way to go there, Miles. Honestly, I could see you both on screen. Very much an either-or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look, Just seeing Ben now coming up in the Zoom is very similar to... Um, you look quite like the guy that plays Elvis in the um, that new biopic. What's what's his name? Oh, yeah. We should know this because me and Fawkes, you've done... A lot of quiz questions on the bench this year. We don't get many right, though, do we? No, we don't. We don't get any right. That's a problem. <laughs> How are you feeling, Ben? You, you've got. Are you in a bit of downtime at the moment, or are you doing some rigorous training? Yeah, I'm good. No, no, I've actually just had two weeks on holiday. Got back yesterday. Um, Hollywood acting job, or <laughs> um, so I actually had a nice Christmas at home, and then went out to Orlando, and then New York. And uh, actually, just got engaged, actually, Woody. So. Foxy! Yes! Wow. Congratulations. Congra- congratulations. How did you do it? Were you romantic? Uh, as romantic as I can be. Um, I try, try my best. Took her to a bridge. Nice, quiet bridge. <laughs> you, can, you can probably uh, understand I didn't spend any money on the engagement. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, she, she was uh, hinting for about four years, so... It was about time. Which uh, which bridge was it? Was it a bridge in, in um, Orlando or a bridge in New York? Uh, literally, uh, nothing nothing important. It was where her parents live. 
um, place called Mission Inn, literally just in the middle of a, of a golf course. But but under a bridge, like the sort of place where the Sopranos would, would do a hit, something like that. <laughs> literally on top. The, the least impressive bridge. Um, <laughs> the least impressive bridge I could find. Miles, it's good thinking, though. He's gone to a not impressive bridge, so the ring, wow. It had been like the size of a fist. He's gone, oh, not impressive <laughs> bridge, but look at the ring, wow. So I had to say yes, great thinking. It was more just literally trying to get it um, where no one was. It was like trying to squeeze in a place where no one could see us. It was almost impossible. Did you have your keeping kit on? Like, so not to drop the ring. Did you have, like, your gloves on? It was, uh, it was actually, I was so nervous because there's gaps in the bridge. Oh, no. I'm not buying another one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're nervous about dropping something, have you, um, I don't know how much planning's gone into it yet. Uh, can I nominate Mark Wood as a ring bearer? Oh, I feel that fine leg. I definitely don't want to hold any rings. You'd be good. Or you could walk down the aisle first, Mark, scattering um, sort of confetti that's been cut into heart shapes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready for that. I can think of no more romantic or charming sight. You would, you would melt people's hearts, Woody. Now, listen, you've come back from Pakistan, Ben, uh, where you, um, I suppose, in time on a fashion, became very ill uh, as soon as you uh, <laughs> arrived. Do you fully, is that all out of your system now? Yeah, yeah, that was, I just seem to have a habit of every time I go to Asia, I just get taken down. I've not got the best immune system. So, yeah, I was pretty ill. And then... But well, we all were, weren't we? Everyone said, I'm just weak. Because <laughs> <laughs> people like Duckett were saying he'd never felt so bad on a on a field really i suppose that's that that's the kind of behind that that's the sort of backstage aspect to to the people at home watching you know everyone looks sort of fairly sort of normal and the clothes relatively clean and whatever you think oh look these guys look ready you've got no idea that presumably the actual <laughs> carnage in the dressing room as people head for yeah those just guys hobbling off the whole time just <laughs> legs leg spread spread wide hobbling off <laughs> i know someone who had to come came back from mumbai in a business trip wrapped in bed sheets <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's unique. It's a unique place, but it, it just can hit you whenever you you kind of have a day where you're alright and you think you're good, and then it flips on you pretty quick, doesn't it? It was like it was like that domino effect because we went from like one guy had it at the start, and then all of a sudden like five, and then ten, and then all of a sudden we couldn't get a team out. <laughs> like, who's going to play? Um, I think at one point we literally had Triscothic opening the baton with Crawley. Um, so it would have been a right throwback team, but it was uh, it was touch and go at one point. We literally didn't have a team two days out from the first test. What was it? Thirteen guys, fourteen guys down. Yeah. Um, now I suppose uh, uh, we should look beyond your sensitive gastric system, and uh, you, <laughs> you as a as as a player, you're, you're described by um, Alex Stewart, no less, a man of quite a few words. I think it's fair to say as the best wicketkeeper in the world. How? How active is he? When I know, I know he's um, taking time off at the moment, but as uh, how hands-on is he then at, at, at Surrey? Is he the sort of man that was, would be desperate to give you hints and tips, or is he like, no, you you, you know what you're doing, young man? Yeah, he's um, he's really hands-on as a director of cricket, especially like a lot of them you see kind of in suits, kind of walking around. Um, but he's yeah, they're in his tracksuit every day um, for the last what have I been maybe eight nine years at Surrey, pretty much unless there's a test match on and he's there, he's been with me. So having like for me having that and then Bruce French in the winters with England was like so valuable. And yeah, obviously he's got some personal issues, so he's taking a break. But yeah, what he's given me and the help he's provided over the last few years definitely I wouldn't have got anywhere near this standard without that sort of help. Because also someone like he also had a kind of work ethic. He's one of those people that combined being a kind of stylist as a player, you know, like so, so sort of handsome batter to watch, but also you know the 
there's that sort of Gower thing, which is it look, obviously a lot of efforts concealed, but it just all looks so easy. Whereas Stuart, someone like you know, had that kind of dashingness about his about his play, but you could also know just sort of how much work w- went into that. Having knowledge like that around must be amazing. Yeah, definitely his knowledge. But yeah, as you say, that kind of work ethic. Like often, like you go somewhere new and you don't want to like annoy a coach by just like keeping for hours. But he's definitely someone that it's like if the harder you work, the better he likes it. So he, he'll do three, four hours if you want. And he's more than happy to keep going without trying to wrap you up and get in the showers early. Is his work ethic the same as yours? Because obviously people who don't know you, you do a lot, don't you? do a lot of catching. You spend a lot of time on, you know, different drills. His work ethic's amazing. Um, it's actually funny because in the last few years, we've tried to balance it because I think I probably catch too many balls, especially with keeping and batting. I almost keep thinking I need to catch more and more and more to try and I guess I'm in my head a bit of a perfectionist. I'm always trying to strive to get to that point. Obviously very unrealistic, but that's just how I am. I think you're pretty good at running books. <laughs> <laughs> but it's trying to get that balance because I'll, I'll get to like, I can get to the start of a tour in the first game and I feel knackered because I've done like six weeks of like graft where I'm, I've done too much. So trying, I think with him, he's going to make me realise you don't do, need to do as much. And then a lot of the drills, I think, because I've kept for so long now, it's about trying to like sharpen up and like reflexes and stuff like that, get them quicker. A lot of rebound nets. When you keep to guys like you, it's a little bit different. Trying to <laughs> to, to get used to the ball flying at yeah, 96 mile an hour. How far back are you when when Woody's bowling? Well, it's interesting. The Because Woody obviously is so fast, but you can't bowl like that, obviously, in training day in, day out. So I've kept, I had, before I kept to him first time, kept to him a bit in um, just bowl throws, where he's going at maybe 70%. Mm-hmm. so I like thought I had a rough idea and then in the West Indies because the wickets are quite up and down I forget who was bowling but I was stood in a place and then Woody came on so I, like, I was like right I'll give myself a yard and one went down the leg side and it hit me in the chest before I saw it <laughs> I was literally like jeez so I think I took about eight yards back well like, you are so far and if, if it's a nice quick wicket that bounces it's beautiful because you're yeah you can be 30 yards back but someone like Woody on a quick like up and down wicket can be an absolute nightmare because it could hit you in the face. It could bounce five yards in front of you, but you don't obviously get much time to react. So it can be really tricky. And then you got in the third test, you got to keep with us having what three three spinners in the team, I suppose. I'm I'm counting Joe yeah. Root. Best figures of yeah. six for zero or every took the other year. <laughs> five for eight, one bad one. Five five for eight. That'll do very nicely. That start then. That's a completely different sort of drill, I suppose. The angles are completely different, the, the pace and the air and that sort of thing. But you're just that much, that much closer. And he wouldn't have seen, he wouldn't have seen um, Rian much either. So that that's another point. In that test match, you wouldn't have actually seen him that much, would you? So all these drills that you're doing, because I know which one you mean. You throw the ball off the net, don't you? And you're not looking. Like we're behind you, and we throw the ball off the net. You're facing forward, and it sort of like rebounds quickly off the net, and you do like one handers and stuff, don't you? Is that for someone like a Rian who can spin it both ways, or is that not? the right drill for that though. yeah no I think for everything I think in general so like that sort of thing where two guys behind you got a re- rebound net and you just keep trying to get closer and closer as you develop but almost like, I think that trains like I don't know if you've ever like dropped something or like a glass or something you just caught it as it's dropping like that sort of like relaxed rebound and reaction rather than being like stiff it's almost like just training your hands to just go where the, where the ball is but yeah something like Rehan actually I had never seen him but I've at the start I was like every ball's a googly and they were leggies. And I was like, geez, this is going to be a long day. I'm not picking them. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I had to work it out. Um, so I definitely, I'd say generally I pick most people quite well, but at the start with him, I really struggled. So I think it does help with that sort of thing where you're not picking it and like you might be in the wrong position. 
But if you've done like that rebound network, you can your hands can just kind of go with it, um, and it gets you out of trouble. In in the the sort of new era with Stokes and McCullum, where there's that kind of uh, optional trading seems slightly sort of more optional, as it were, and people are trusted to do their own thing. Is there a danger with someone like you that you think, oh right, that there's not going to be a point when they blow the whistle and they tell everyone to go inside? Do you find yourself in a way training more? Do you, is there someone that's looking out for you going, you do you do have to stop now, Ben? And are there some members of the team that go, oh, it's optional, great, uh, and just disappear back into the hut? Yeah, I think definitely. I think it's a lot of people do take the option and like get on the golf course or whatever it may be. I think something I found a little bit difficult actually, because especially like in, the, in Pakistan where I wasn't playing, so it's hard to train as well. And I was having kittens at the start because I was like, I might play the last test and I'm not training. So I, th- I think it's that individual base. But I think I think it's good for me in a way to kind of go, I don't need a thousand balls a day to try and get in form and almost like look at it different ways and try and do it mentally preparing and things like that. But it's definitely a challenge because I am someone that likes to catch and hit a lot of balls. And when that goes away, it's almost like trying to find your a good prep without almost getting what you feel you need. I mean, not, not to drag the conversation back to your gastric difficulties, but I suppose with a <laughs> wicketkeeper, if you're a bowler or a batter and you're repeatedly heading to the bathroom, you can't really train. Whereas if you're a wicketkeeper, of course, that sort of squatting position, very much your comfort zone, Ben. <laughs> Dangerous. Um, <laughs> and you could think, well, if I'm only sat here for six hours, I might as well practice moving my hands about and just, you know, just shifting the weight gently. That presumably, actually, <laughs> that sort of plays to your strengths a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, on, on that, it was tricky... That was one of my decisions actually during the game was when I was trying to work out if I could play, I was a little bit like, I can't do that on TV. Like if that happens on telly, um, <laughs> you're not recovering from that. Um, I was thinking there's a, there's a really high chance it will happen um, at one of the ends. So I wasn't sure which end, but I think that kind of made my decision for me. <laughs> Rudy was still at like third slip, wasn't he? When you were practicing, he didn't want to be behind you, did he? <laughs> this extra <light. laughs> To the casual layman watching on, the thought of even... I remember watching in, I think it was at the Wankady Stadium and watching Steve Harmison. No, he's already battered himself by then. One of the stadiums in India and Steve Harmison, I knew that he was ill, but I thought, I don't even know how you bowl that fast in this in this sort of temperature, let, let alone if you happen to be ill. And of course, the idea of being, you know, bowling a four over spell and then sprinting off to the boundary or whatever, it seemed to me completely... I mean, most people in most walks of life would go, I'm not well enough to do anything at the moment. I can't play <laughs> it's a bit, like elite, elite level uh... sport. It's a bit different yeah. though, Miles, because if you think about it, even as a fast bowler, you can bowl six balls, go off, and then come back for the next six balls. As a wicketkeeper, you're not going anywhere. You kind of just <laughs> run off in between. I mean, you've got pads and everything to come off. Yeah, well, maybe that's something that will be introduced by whatever the next T20 franchise is. You've now got this thing where you don't have to name your 11 till after the toss. Perhaps, you know, they'll have a you know wicketkeeper for each end in the 100, something like that, <laughs> so keep bowling or whatever. That's, perhaps perhaps one, end, one end could be a yeah, gastric replacement. <laughs> <laughs> gastric sub. <laughs> I had the playing, um, playing Sturry against Somerset away. As I, it was only needed a wee, but... Um, it was like middle of a game and I'd never experienced it where you have to go off. So I said to Wolfie, I was like, can I go off? And um, he was like, yeah, go to the nearest toilet. And it was the punter's toilet. So I literally just like <laughs> mid-game, like, just in the queue, just peeing. <laughs> and presumably made more difficult when you're wearing wicket-keeping gloves. Or do you have to give those to the chap? This thing's a bit smaller. What... What are the differences without, I mean, people have talked about it a lot, a lot, a lot recently, I suppose, but the differences between the England setup that you first came into and now, but actually in your case, you, you were a, were you not a 12th man sort of like a decade ago? I went around three of the grounds 
and got to train as well in the mornings and that was really good and then yeah did 12th man um did a bit of fielding so I like got to like w- watch what England was all about so that was class at I guess I think I was about 18 19 and at the time did that just seem like the most astonishing astonishing golf yeah it was outrageous it was so cool to watch. I think because it was obviously like star-studded lineup you're just like looking at the guys around and like they were singing they had a team song on at the time and watching after they'd won a close game and I was just like stood in the corner like this is so surreal um, it was amazing. And how much how much time did you get on the pitch? I reckon I probably did maybe 10 overs. I think Brody got hit in the shoulder and it ballooned up so he couldn't field. So I probably did 10 overs that night and then on and off. But I was in that game, Hadding kept on whacking him towards Cal. I think Finn dropped one late on just before we won. And uh, I was on like near the end and I was kind of looking over to the bench. There's about 15, 20 to go. I was like looking at the bench. I'm like, are they going to swap me for a proper player? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally they swapped, swapped me with Bresnan. And I was like, thank goodness. <laughs> God, that does sound unbelievably. I mean, much as you'd want to be there, it does, that does sound yeah. sort of slight. It was, it was just bowling slower balls and Haddon was whacking them out towards me. And I was just like, it's probably not where I should be. The, <laughs> this can't be the tactic, can it? Um, <laughs> what about your, your sort of white ball ambitions? Like, you know, you've played like very influential and important innings in white ball cricket for England, often at kind of short notice, I suppose. But how, um, how, how crazy are you about white ball cricket? Or are you just, you just want, want it all? <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's like, it's a lot easier on the body. So I think from that point of view, I really enjoy it. Um, and there's, I'd love to be Woody Earn and how many, about 100,000 in the IPL. Yeah. Well, he's just such a flash guy, isn't he? Yeah. He is. <laughs> the moneymaker. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think my, my goal has always been, uh, test cricket trying to play mm. test cricket and yeah like, like 50 over I think suits my game quite well I'd say uh, I'm not the biggest hitter of the ball as you've probably seen so I, th- I don't think T20 is probably naturally my game and I think it's something I've always tried to kind of work on expanding game, my game like sweeps and reverse sweeps but batting at five for Surrey in the Red Bull that's always been my priority and like doing well in that has always been my priority to try and get in the England test side so it's kind of that's taking preference especially when you tour it's quite hard to actually find those windows to um, practice but now I think when I'm playing for England and batting seven it's a bit of a different role so uh, I guess I need like a more well-rounded game it's, is that more of an adjustment than you might imagine five to seven I mean is that does that expose you to the second new ball more I suppose I, th- I think less so on that I think it's more just when I play for I just bat and then by the time you get to the tail you might be on sort of like 70 80 so you're in and then obviously trying to trying to go when you're in is a lot easier whereas sometimes especially on the bad wickets especially when we played in India for example a few years ago it was could, you could be straight away in with a lower order and trying to like whack a ball that skid in and rag in it's quite a unique skill um so I think that kind of showed me that I need to develop my game in certain areas to to try and be more successful with the lower order in fact talking about him with the tail you and Woody you you guys put on 51 did you not in that yeah. third test yeah, hey, I think we did. I, mean, I can't remember now. I mean, I remember shaking his hand a couple of times. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. They just get walking down to me saying, how good am I? You stay there with me. Hold off them, pal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I suppose that's the job in that situation, is it? You've just got to hold an end up, Ben, while uh, Woody goes big at the other. <laughs> Man, it was reversing. And I, honestly, the first 10 balls, I was saying to Pokesy, I could get out any ball here. I actually said them. Do you just want to take the seamer because I think he's going to get me out every ball? And then I thought, actually, that will not go down well with this management group. Just get a one and we'll just run anyway. <laughs> so I was thinking that would look horrendous, wouldn't it? When we're playing this attacking brand of cricket and folks, he's blocking the seamer to protect me. I was like, oh, that'll not look good. That pace of that innings, I suppose, that you 
played, Ben. You had, you know, you showed that within, you know, how, how broad a spectrum the kind of Stokes McCullum approach is, or whatever that there there is room for all sorts of different types of innings. And yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing. I I almost like sometimes I find myself like looking up to the dressing room, thinking like, am I batting too slowly? Just just because obviously the the nature of the way all the guys play, and I don't really fit that mold. A lot of it, I think, is still playing to your strengths, and that's what they kind of preach. But because I'm not like a fl- go out and whack it and just naturally score at 120 strike rate. Well, you're good, but you know, you know, Mark Wood, you know. Exactly. You, you, no don't, you don't use the eeny, meeny, miny, more method in your head. Is that how you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when, when I try and whack it, I, it looks ugly. So I think I, I play, I guess, more old-fashioned stuff. But yeah, I do find myself looking up thinking, if there's an off-spinner on especially, because I know the mantra is when the ball's turning in, it goes. And sometimes I look up and I'm like, oh no, what's Stokes he thinking when I'm nudging ones to square leg it? <laughs> I assume that Stokes and McCullum, if they if there's some information they need to give you, they they can give it to you quite quite quickly, quite briefly, and you'd, <laughs> you'd I've not had to hurry up yet. I think I think you'd know if there was an issue. Yeah. Speaking of um, old fashioned folksy, like uh, modern wicketkeepers now, they wear the pads underneath the uh, underneath the uh, legs, so they're like almost like shin pads. Would you ever adopt yeah. that approach, or are you purist and you think definitely? Not. I think I think you see it in white ball a little bit, but they don't have to deal with the wobble. Um, so I think I, I'll take as much protection as I can get with the wobbling ball. <laughs> also, aesthet- aesthetically, it looks demented. A wicketkeeper whose pads you can't yeah. see. I think it's very, it's very discombobulated. That and short sleeve shirts, I think, are two no nos from my <laughs> point of view. <laughs> yeah. So, so is is weight keeping come more naturally to you than batting, or was it the other way around when you were growing up? Um, I was actually a fast, well, medium pace bowler. Um, Love that. He's, he's in the crew. He's in the. I knew the connection when we're out there. I knew there was something about you. I guess I'm built more like a bowler as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, growing up, I wanted to be a bowling all rounder, and it's probably bowling then batting second, and then like kind of gave keeping a go, and really enjoyed it. I, and I, I don't really feel like I was a natural keeper. I think athletically I was quite natural but I think just the amount of work I got to do with good coaches kind of just allowed me to develop um, pretty quickly and then I'd say I'd say with the batting I th- like just batting I find quite natural and then they're like playing the big shots and stuff like that and hitting it 130 yards I think <laughs> well yeah there's there's like a big difference from someone that naturally can do that and someone that can't and I like I mean if I practiced it enough maybe like it could improve but I yeah I wouldn't say I feel natural and I'm Trying to swing. Well, that's there's an element of the Alex Stewart about that, who I sort of felt didn't fit into the the normal mould of wicket keeping in terms of sort of in a way like personality wise, because sometimes they're just very sort of loud, very very gobby, aren't they? He, he, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before. He struck me as someone. It was almost like someone once said to him that they didn't think he could be the best wicket keeper in the world, so he sort of became it for for a time, just out of sheer kind of t- sheer sort of toughness. <laughs> is is there that yeah. pressure on you on, on a wicket keeper? I mean, is it? I mean, presumably everyone can sort of get involved a bit, but is is there a particular pressure? You're the one that's in the middle all the time when you're fielding that needs to be sort of chirping away and uh, yeah. y- you know keeping your your teammates up. I think yeah, I think definitely creating energy. I think when you have guys like Woody, it kind of helps because when he goes through his spells of being a nutter, it kind of, you can have a chill out. Yeah. But I actually really enjoy playing test cricket because I think there's such an atmosphere when you're knackered, you can almost like, you just got to buzz about and run about and like encourage. Like I, I would never, and I have never really, unless I lose it, I just don't sledge really. And that's not part of my game. Um, but I think, I think like trying to show a busyness and showing energy. And I think for me is the most important thing and encouraging the team and the bowlers rather than trying to play the mind games and stuff that 
you can see sometimes from keepers, especially like obviously like Aussie keepers quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Who are the batters that you you've um, played against that like you know that that habit of um, firing themselves up by picking a fight with the nearest person, which is often the wicketkeeper. Who who when they're coming out to bat and you're keeping, do you think? Oh, Coley definitely. Coley, right. um, I think it was off Leachy or Mo, and like Coley left one and it nearly bowled him, and I was like, oh, and he just turned around. I've never seen a guy evilize someone more i was just like is he <laughs> at me? He's just like completely evil <laughs> and i was like jeez he's taken that badly it's close um, was it evil eye or was he looking at you like wow this guy's handsome <laughs> hollywood <laughs> folks wow look at his teeth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can you tone those down <laughs> <laughs> so is there anyone obviously because people regard you as the best is there anybody who you look up to or when you're growing up or even now who you think wow they've got good tech guys are they good there's something about them which you particularly admire? Yeah, I think growing up was James Foster. I think he was obviously like, him and Reed were always like so good, but just watching Foster at Essex and like some of the stuff he did was just stupid. So I almost always admired him. And then when I got on the staff at Essex, got to kind of watch him up close and you were just like, this guy's not human. And then I think now, I think Rizwan is seriously good keeper. I think he's really, really good. I think John Simpson at Middlesex. Oh yeah, he, he's he's very, very solid. He's like not flashy, but just like does his job. Great technique. Um, so he'd he'd probably be a guy at the moment. Um, and someone like Sarah Taylor is. Did you watch a lot of Sarah Sarah Taylor? Who where, where does she coach now? Is it Lightning or she's Sussex down there? Yeah, she's at Sussex. Yeah, I always thought she was incredible. That sort of leg side stumping thing that she could just pull off again and again. Yeah, she just obviously like. Stood up to everyone and was just basically a highlights reel. So I think something like that, like she, she's obviously like a really natural keeper and some of the stuff she did, you didn't see other people doing and her, her hands were so fast and um, yeah, she was a pleasure to watch. Miles, I think that would move nicely on the Super Rover. Uh, I, I could be on the clock, would he? Yes. So Foxy, and for those listening that haven't listened before, it's 90 seconds on the clock. I'm going to ask, ask you a series of quick fire questions. You say the first thing that comes to your brain. Miles, you give me the three, two, one. Ready? And I will fire away. Okay. Uh, Ted Rogers, three, two, one. Go. Turning pitch or green top? Turning pitch. Hot bath or cold shower? Hot bath. Every day. Cats or dogs? Dogs, 100%. The Big Dipper or a waltzer? Big Dipper? Whatever either are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you rather have a tail or floppy ears? Uh, ooh. A tail would be... You'd tell when you're excited. Tail. <laughs> you're waiting for the kettle to boil and playing some air cricket shots what shot or ball are you practicing probably for defense now me <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most surprising celebrity contact in your phone uh oof, mark wood oh wow the last thing you searched <laughs> on google your podcast <laughs> nice name something you have an irrational dislike of cats oh you arrive at the crease what guard are you asking from the umpire? Middle stump, please. <laughs> was it? Was it? Umpire. Middle, yeah! please, umpire. Yeah, <laughs> Foxy. Nearest of all margins. Wow. And that is 90 <laughs> seconds. Bang. Right there. There is... That's... that. Your ability to answer questions very quickly, essentially... All that training. You've got fast, what's it called? Fast twitch muscle tissue in your brain, essentially. <laughs> reactions. Bang. That's how he catches every ball. It's, 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 it's the reactions. Just bangs them out. Very interesting thinking on the tail there. You want you, you like people to know when you're happy. That's You like that. 
It's quite good <laughs> no. for a wicketkeeper as well because it would give people if, like, when they're bowling at the other end, if you've got a nice seat behind the bowler's arm or whatever, you can watch the, you know, can see if it's moving from one end at the other end. You can see if the wicketkeeper's happy. But obviously, so when you're facing Woody in the nets and your tail's tucked between your legs, but obviously, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking when you were off when you did the toilet. (laughs) Oh, look, folks, he's got his wag on. (laughs) Booksy, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed having you. I hope you've enjoyed uh, coming on. Please don't mind. Thank you very much. Well, Mr. Ben Folks there, um, an immaculate-looking gentleman. I know you you often go on about... um, how good looking, etc. He is, Woody. But he's there's also a sort of an immaculateness to him. He had a lovely, a lovely freshly painted banister behind him there while he was speaking to us, and I have to say it was, it was absolutely gleaming, absolutely gleaming, and the carpets looked in good nick. I've had, to, I can now take my sunglasses off after he was smiling there. I mean, oh, he could, yeah, no, he does. That he could have, um, he could, he could have work as a sight screen in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. Actually, it was really interesting because honestly, he worked his nuts off um, with his way keeping loads of different drills. Um, he often, which you not like, people won't see, but you'll often see him like he, he does a lot of work by himself. So, like, obviously, we have net rotations and stuff, but he's working, 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 grooving his game, grooving his game. And I think maybe that that is a like a little bit what he mentioned there, where he thought he would never get the chance to get in. So when he does, he feels like he's got to work his nuts off to, to keep his place on just to get in. But he's honestly so good. He's obviously good at his job. Otherwise, like you, you wouldn't get the, some of the best that we've had say that he's the best they have seen. Like Alex Stewart wouldn't give that out for yeah. nothing. Do you know what I mean? He wouldn't just say that. So Yeah, he's not some gossip, is he? I mean, if you liken it to other sports, I mean, if you think of, a, I guess, a, a good goalkeeper in football or a good defender in football, the best ones are the ones that you don't notice because they don't, they very rarely make a mistake, which is, you know, what, what he does so well. Um, so I've just noticed my tea's gone cold, uh, which I think means that I was very, uh, very much enjoying that chat. But that is it's slightly taken me aback, actually. I was looking forward to that. Oh, God. Anyway, life goes on. I've just had a sip of my gravy and it's also a little bit cold. It means I was also enjoying the chat. Oh, yes, yeah, of, of course, it's mid-afternoon. I don't know what time you're listening to this, uh, boys and girls, but it's mid-afternoon here, which is why I'm having a cup of tea and Woody's, of course, having his his afternoon gravy. Um, hourly it, gravy. Hour- <laughs> <laughs> it is. I Yeah, it's amazing we've not attracted gravy sponsorship for this show, but I suppose you're into the homemade gravy, isn't you? You wouldn't be... You, want, you wouldn't want to be in the pocket of big gravy, would you? You're, you're all about the home... Yeah, we go to um, Gary Gravy up the street and he, he makes it in a big wok and dishes it out. Community man. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. It's just about doing what you can. What what can you do, you know? Uh, well, I could I could make gravy for everyone in a wok, he said. Only sort of because he wasn't quite listening to the question, but he's stuck with it now, isn't he? And, uh, <laughs> on he goes. And his wife's always going, Gary, why are you making gravy? I said I would do it. I said I'd do it. Oh, you're such a people pleaser. I just... <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gary, if you're listening, do write in. We'd love to know if you've got any cricket-related stories or anecdotes. Well, thank you very much indeed for listening to this uh, episode of Middle Please Umpire with me, Miles Chupp, and uh, with uh, fast-bowling sensation Mark Wood. Uh, our guest today, uh, the excellent, um, the immaculate uh, Mr Ben Folks. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you again. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. See you next time. Gabiento.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.